Near the beginning of the pandemic, Rachel Simon and her family were like many people, bored and looking for something to do at home. Then she found pickleball and wrote about it in an article for the New York Times called, Is Pickleball the Perfect Pandemic Pastime? I truly believe Rachel helped fuel the explosive growth of the game, and now she's also written a book, Pickleball for All, Everything But the Kitchen Sink. Let's get to the intro to hear from Rachel. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Rachel Simon. How are you doing today, Rachel? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. One of the things that I usually do to start the podcast is to ask you a little bit about how you got started with pickleball and how long ago that was. Sure. So I got started playing in April of 2020, so almost two and a half years ago. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic, of course, and my husband and I were then boyfriend, now husband and I were quarantining with his dad and stepmom at their home in Asheville, North Carolina. And we were all kind of bored looking for something to do the way a lot of people were at the beginning of the pandemic. And so his stepmom decided to get him as a birthday present, a set of pickleball equipment, paddles, net balls, just kind of really cheap equipment from Amazon, just something we, none of us really done it before outside of maybe playing as kids in elementary school gym class. So she got us the equipment and we ended up just kind of setting up some games on the drive in the driveway. And we all just had a lot of fun playing it and started playing it pretty regularly throughout the, throughout that early stage of the pandemic. Now you are a writer and I do believe not too long after you started playing the game, you started writing about the game. That's correct. I start, I did my first article on pickleball in May of 2020. So just a month after that, it was for the New York Times and it was called, Is Pickleball the Perfect Pandemic Pastime? And I wrote it, I was inspired to write it because of us playing it so casually, but having so much fun just in the driveway it made me realize this was a great activity, not just in general, but especially for that point in the pandemic where you wanted to be able to do something with friends that you could social distance and be feel safe doing. It was inexpensive. Anyone could learn. So if you're quarantining with family members of all different ages or with different groups of friends, it was very accessible for everyone. And just a really one of the rare activities that you could do at that point of the pandemic that felt really, again, safe and accessible and just a lot of fun. I remember that article. It, I think it had great circulation probably within the pickleball community, certainly. But in addition to that, just people who were being introduced to the game. I mean, do you think that was actually kind of one of the articles that spurred the growth of the game even more? appreciate you giving me the credit. I certainly hope so. I know it did do pretty well in terms of readership. And you know, I, that was the article that really inspired me to keep writing about the sport over the next few years. And actually also the article that ended up catching the attention of my agent and editor of my book that's coming out now. Then we will definitely get to the book in a minute. I want to travel a little bit farther down the path because you wrote the first article on Pickleball in May of 2020. Kind of what's happened between then and the book that you've written. I've written a couple articles in, in during that period. 
I wrote one when we moved from New York to North Carolina to Raleigh, where I live now. I wrote about the growth of pickleball within the Raleigh and Durham and Chapel Hill area because it's really so, so huge here. So I wrote about kind of the courts that had popped up and some of the players that were really passionate. I've also written articles about just different aspects of the sport that I find super interesting, like for glamour about some of the women who are women, female business leaders involving pickleball who've started pickleball companies and are, have really changed their lives because of the sport. I've written about the rise of juniors pickleball, under 18 pickleball for Parents Magazine. And I just recently wrote an article also for the New York Times about the rise of pickleball weddings actual weddings that are themed around the sport and as well as a few other articles here or there. But it's been a lot of fun getting to explore so many different sides of pickleball. I have to admit, I have not heard about pickleball themed weddings. Where is this occurring? <laughs> All over. I know. That's that's why I wanted to write about it because I had heard from a wedding planner I'd worked with on a different story that they were planning a pickleball, a wedding for a couple that was going to involve pickleball for both the couple and the guests. And I was really fascinated by that. And so I looked into it a bit more, poked around on some of the, you know, pickleball groups out there and found that this was not super uncommon that some couples who are really passionate about the game just want to find a way to incorporate it into their weddings. And for some people that meant getting married on the courts and immediately playing right afterwards. Other people, it involved giving out like pickleball themed party favors and treats at the treats at the reception, shapes like pickleball or paddles. You know, there's a lot of really fun ways that people have incorporated pickleball into their wedding. So I decided it was definitely worth writing a trend piece about. That is very cool. I will definitely go back and read that. And then I want to touch a little bit on what you had mentioned around Glamour Magazine and the story that you did about the women of pickleball. Give us some highlights of that. Yeah, that was a really fun and interesting one to research on report. I wanted to work because of the book that I've written, Pickleball for All, I had gotten to know a lot of different women involved in the sport in different ways. Some who were commissioners and some who were business owners, some who were just really passionate players. And it made me really think about just highlighting some of these women and just showing that pickleball is actually not a male dominated sport, unlike some others out there. So I ended up speaking to founders of some pickleball equipment companies, as well as people, women who were starting like pickleball clubs near their homes, and even just players who had devoted their lives to going to tournaments and traveling the country, sometimes in their RVs with their family, to just be a part of the pickleball world. I was just really fascinated by these women's stories. Now, you started playing in 2020. Do you pretty much just still play for fun, or are you getting more serious about the game? Still for fun, definitely. I, I love the sport and it's, it's so much fun, but I am not quite at the level where I can play competitively just yet. All right. So you mentioned the title of the book, Pickleball for All. And I love kind of the sub subtitle there, Everything But the Kitchen Sink. How did that come about? That title came, I think one of my editors came up with that one. I wish I could take credit for it myself. It is such a great title and subtitle there. But, you know, of course we wanted to do something, well, in the title, we wanted to do something that really got into pickleball's inclusivity. So that's why the phrase pickleball for all seemed to really work there. And obviously it just has some fun alliteration. And for the subtitle, we wanted to see if we can make a little you know, pickleball theme pun in some way. And the kitchen was just a, per a perfect one for us to use. So I'm really happy with how that all came out. 
And then in terms of the writing process, was this something that you were able to put together pretty quickly or was it took quite a bit of time to research and bring everything together? It was pretty quick, all things considered, um, because they my my team wanted to make sure this book was coming out at a time where pickleball was on everyone's minds. And hopefully that'll be the case for a long time to come. But they really wanted to make sure that it was coming out of the prime time. I ended up writing the book probably a little bit faster than the typical process is. But during that time, I did a ton of research and reporting and interviews. I spoke with dozens of players and officials, people at both the amateur and pro levels, and did a lot of research into looking at the history of the game and its growth over the years and discussing things like strategy and ways to incorporate pickleball in other areas of your life, just a little bit of everything. So it was a real, it was a short time period, but I really dove totally in. And then we are recording this podcast a little bit, I think, before the book's going to be released. But just go ahead. And when is the actual launch date? It's week. It's on August 30th. Not say a week from today, but as you said, this will come out afterwards, August 30th. Now, you mentioned there's really a lot of different pieces and parts, it sounds like, to the book. Can you define the structure a little bit more? Because the reality is nowadays there's getting to be a lot of pickleball books that are out there, but yours sounds a little bit on the unique side. Yeah, I think one of the things that makes this book stand out is just how comprehensive it is. And while it's not just a manual, it does have strategies and tips throughout that I think will be really helpful to players at all levels. We cover things for both beginners and more more advanced players. It's like I said, it's not just a manual though. It's still it really gets into the stories of pickleball players and gets into that passion and love that so many people have for the sport. So kind of starts off by sharing my own story and then gets into the history of the game and looking at just how it's grown over the years. Then it gets into some of those strategies and tips, as I mentioned, and discusses how to get involved in tournaments and what to expect from them if you're competing, has stories of some pro players who have become very successful in the sport and looking at kind of what their day-to-day lives are like and how they make it work. And also featuring a lot of a lot of information and stories about the overarching pickleball community, people who play very casually or very passionately, but not necessarily at a pro level. And then kind of finally talks about just different ways to incorporate pickleball in your life, whether that's through joining meetup groups and clubs and leagues or buying pickleball merch, throwing pickleball parties, and then kind of looking towards the future with what we can hopefully expect to see as pickleball continues to grow and just get more people involved. As you were writing the book, who were you thinking of as the main audience for it? I was really hoping that the audience could be players of all different levels, truly. I want this to be a book that whether you play constantly and you're intrigued by it because you're like, oh, I would love to read more about pickleball or you're someone who just is just starting out and or doesn't even are not familiar with pickleball at all that you could find interesting because it's just it offers, in my opinion, something for everyone that's. There are parts of that book that are really geared towards more experienced players, but again, also parts that are geared towards people not that familiar with, and hopefully that everyone, regardless of their skill level, will find interesting. I'm just curious as to who are some of the pros that you were able to interview and include in the book? I talked to a bunch, including Jesse Irvine, Zane Navratil, Irina Tardeshko, some really great pros throughout. Morgan Evans. I talked to Tyson Apostle. I talked to a lot of different players, uh, some of whom had been in the pro world for just 
a couple months or a year or two and others who have been doing it for several years now. So that was really great to get to hear so many different stories. I love it. And actually, I recently had Morgan Evans on this podcast, and uh, he is a very funny guy, and he's got great stories. (laughs) Definitely, yeah. He gave me a lot of really interesting information about how he both, both as a player and as a coach, and it was great. It was great chatting with him. Now, I know the goal here is for people to enjoy your book, but can you maybe pick out one of the prose stories that you think is really good and you would like the audience, this audience on the Pickleball Fire podcast to hear about? Yeah, I really love talking to Jesse Irvine. She had such a great story. And then coming from a tennis background, I think like so many other pickleball players out there, she never expected to get into pickleball. She thought she'd play, be playing tennis her whole life, but ended up getting that career, even though it was a very successful career, ended up kind of getting derailed by injury and ending up moving to the pickleball world. And she didn't know how she would feel about it, but then she ended up really loving it and taking to it. And obviously now is a very successful, very accomplished pickleball player. And I just really loved her story because it just shows, I think it was just such, so emblematic of the stories of so many players, both pros and amateurs out there who may have kind of gotten into the sport with some skepticism or came from a different background and they really didn't think it would be for them, but just ended up falling in love with it and deciding to dedicate their whole lives for it. Now we talked about the pros and I know you also do have information on the history of the game, which story did you use in terms of how pickleball got its name? (laughs) I get into both a little bit. I think I wanted to make sure the bases were covered there because I think that's one of the most interesting parts of the whole pickleball lore is that this name story is so, you know, contested. But I spoke to Jennifer Lucor, a really great pickleball player and historian who wrote a book about pickleball a number of years ago. And She was great to speak with because she really gave me a lot of insight into clarifying that it really was very likely based around the dog pickles, but that there is still that rumor out there that it's potentially based around those pickle boats used in in rowing, excuse me, but that the majority of people, including including the founders even really, and the founders' families believe it was based around pickles the dog. Now, when you wrote the history, was there anything that came up that you think the average pickleball player probably doesn't know? I honestly think the main thing is that the average pickleball player probably just doesn't realize how long it's been around. I think because it's having such a moment right now, which is wonderful. It's great that so many more people are getting involved, but I think a lot of people believe because of that, that pickleball just came up a few years ago, maybe, or if they happen to remember playing it as a kid or something, they thought it didn't really become a real serious thing until recently when that's, of course, not the case. I think a lot of people will be surprised to realize that not only did it originate as far back as the 1960s, but it's had a pretty solid life from then until more recently. Tournaments were still going on and getting hundreds, if not thousands of players. There were still people who were, you know, playing constantly and, and making pickleball companies and really making it their full livelihoods way before it became as trendy as it is today. And then in terms of the section on strategy and tips, I mean, I'm not sure if it's actually a section in your book or if it's kind of sprinkled throughout the book, but knowing that this is a pickleball podcast and probably most of the people who are listening are actually probably fairly skilled players. What are some of the unique strategy or tips that you can share? 
Yeah, I think what was most interesting to me was that some of the tips that I was hearing just across the board, like no matter who I was speaking to, some of the similarities there, one of the main ones was involving really not focusing on power, but accuracy. And they said that, and they all kind of said the same thing, you know, that so many players, even very highly skilled athletes who might be coming from successes in the tennis world, let's say, come into pickleball really thinking it's all about power. They think that it's about how fast you can hit, how strong you can be, when in actuality, not only is that just simply not the case, but it actually can hurt your abilities. Like you are, if you're focusing too much on strength, you're going to possibly, you know, injure yourself and tire yourself out quickly, but also your shots are just not going to be what they should be. So that really focusing on accuracy and making sure that you're in the right place at the right time and planning your shots, really kind of use thinking, thinking smartly about the court and your opponent will be a lot more beneficial than focusing on power. And the research that you did, is there anything around kind of the mindset or the psychology around the game? It sounds cliche, but it's true that so many people were just kept reminding me, and I agree with this, is just have fun. Again, I know it sounds kind of silly, but it's this is a game that is loved because of how fun it is and just how enjoyable it is to play and how it brings people together. And it's just something that people want to dedicate hours and hours of every day of their life to. That if it's fine, of course, if you are competing and you obviously have to get into a competitive mindset, but if you lose that element of fun, you're just not going to be as good as you would be because you're just not going to be focusing on the right things out there. But if you still treat it as something that you truly enjoy, you're going to be a stronger player and you're going to be probably a player who can last for a lot longer than someone else because you're going to be really using your skills more wisely and just trying to have as good a time as you can have out there. Now, I'm interested in what's in store for you in writing about pickleball into the future, because I, I really like that, uh, what you came up with around uh, pickleball themed type weddings. I mean, in, mm-hmm. anything else that you foresee over the next few months at the end here of 2022? Yeah, I have a couple of fun articles in the works. I have one that's coming out this fall in Hemispheres magazine, the United in Flight magazine, that's about pickleball resorts you can check out around North America. I have two other pickleball articles coming out. I have one for AARP magazine. It's really going to be kind of a primer to the sport, especially kind of for people kind of age 50 or up, like their audience about how they can get involved and what to know about it if they're not already familiar. And then I am also doing one for In Pickleball magazine about the practice of sandbagging in pickleball, which of course is not unique to pickleball, but something that is present in the sport and just kind of what both players and tournament organizers can do to combat that. That is actually a great topic. And uh, I don't play tournaments at this point. I've got a bad knee and it just puts too much strain on it. But I know so many players that I just play with on a regular basis. They keep winning at the 3-5 level and then they still keep playing at the 3-5 level, which I think is a little bit bizarre because you would think that the tournament directors would force people to move up into the proper division, i.e. in this case (laughs) 4-0. Exactly. It's definitely happening and I wouldn't, by no means is it a massive problem. Most players are not doing that, of course, but it's just something that as pickleball continues to grow and the tournaments get bigger, more people are playing, it just gets a little bit harder for those tournament directors to catch instances like that, which is, but they're all, of course, keeping an eye out for it as much as possible to make sure it's an even playing field for everyone. All right. Well, with your book coming out, where is the best place for pickleball players or those new to the game to 
be able to purchase it? There's a lot of good options there. It's available on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, and a lot of smaller booksellers as well. You could just basically look up your local bookseller in the area and hopefully they'll have it. Well, that is awesome. Anything else that we should know today about you writing in pickleball? I just hope that everyone, everyone or tells their pickleball playing friends and family members and so on to take a look at pickleball for all, because as I said earlier, it's a book that I really think is something that everyone at all skill levels could enjoy. And that provides a lot of interesting insight, whether you've been playing for six weeks, six years, even a couple decades. So I really hope that everyone checks it out and continues supporting pickleball. Perfect. Well, I thank you so much, Rachel, for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.